Welcome back to another episode of the We and Me podcast. Today we have a friend and special guest, Sakina. We wanted to discuss some about religion and the overlaps within the mental health community, as well as what occurs within the church and various religions when you're living with mental illness. So just a quick shout out to her for coming on today. And then we had just a quick question for some of our guests. Are you a part of a church community or specific religion and you'd like to come on as a guest? Please contact us at theweandmeblog.com. Thanks, and we're going to go ahead and get started, everybody. So how's it going today, Sakina? Pretty good, pretty good. No complaints. <laughs> Yay, no complaints. <laughs> it, well, yeah, that, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When it's a good day, hang on to those. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so for some of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you share a little bit about your journey with mental illness and give them a little bit of background on who you are? Okay, yeah. So what I usually tell people is, my journey started when I was, well, really when I was in elementary school. Both my mom and I noticed that the first thing probably would have been hyperactivity, which was the ADHD. Both adults and my mom, we noticed that I was having trouble um, staying still. I was in things like ballet, soccer, swimming from an early age. But um, with girls with hyperactivity, it looks different. Um, and so then the depression started when I was um, and I would say seventh grade but I wasn't diagnosed really until college that's when and I had some issues with abuse and things but I didn't really talk about it and I mean just to make the story shorter when I really was formally diagnosed was when I had become Muslim and that was in 2006 and that that's just it really was a long road it was a long road with addiction with um, suicidality and one of my students, when I was teaching in the Muslim community, um, her um, father, psychiatrist, and she let me know that, and I took his card, and then I, I had to go to him because I was having a lot of problems at that time. Um, but in the Muslim community, it's um, there's a lot of stigma, and I really didn't get the help I needed um, almost until I lost my life. And so my my. First, um, I would say the reason I got into the advocacy world is because I really wanted to help myself. But then I realized it was a better journey to help other people heal and move on. And so I started my advocacy because I wanted to help Muslims who were like me. Um, and that actually helped me heal. Because when you're just helping yourself, it's fine, but it, it's sort of a lonely road. And, right. and you realize like, you, just helping yourself is it's not really something that it doesn't do much. And so I said, okay, if I help other people, that helps me, but it also helps me be more positive. And that's kind of how I got into advocacy is I said, okay, let me do something for other people. And that helps me kind of get, not focus on me. And that's, th that's just my story in a nutshell. But how I got on Twitter was I had an injury um, where I broke my ankle. Ooh. And one of my friends said, okay, why don't you get on this thing called Twitter and just vent? And I did that, and slowly I started, you know, meeting people from the mental health world. And that that's what helped me focus and talk to other people and things like that. And then that's where I be began my advocacy. That's great, though, that you were able to find that community online and reach out and then kind of build from there so you can begin to help other people and then well, you, advance yeah, your own Yeah, because healing. the thing is, with, um, with mental health, a lot of times you're at home, really, with the depression. You can't get out of the bed. But you have to do something. You can't just sit there. But 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 you do. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That, that is what I was doing. And so when people say, oh, you've got to get out. Well, I couldn't. 
because that's what the, the, for the bipolar when I'm depressed I cannot move so that computer or the laptop it helps me because I didn't want to just sit there but since I was then I got on my laptop and I talked to people so I made the best of you know the, the world that I was in and so you know when I can't get out it's a lifeline to be on the computer yeah yeah, absolutely. That's one of those things that people discuss in regards to the benefits of technology now. Because you and I, you're where you're at, you're like on the East Coast, right? Right. So yeah, I'm in I'm the in Midwest, Maryland. and we're having a face-to-face conversation via Skype. Well, so, and that's the thing. And so, sometimes people would tell me, "Oh, you've got to get out. You've got to get off the computer." And I said, "Well, no, I don't, because I can't. And this is this is still positive. This is still helping." Me. Right. You know. It's about it's about taking some of those positive steps that you're able to at the time and then continuing with some of that work, yeah. Yeah, and then when you can get out you do. Because right. you don't have to you don't have to do the same thing all the time, but you know, when you can't move, what yeah. can you do? You, you you look at yourself and you say, Okay, well what can I do? What can I use that's important? And you can use a computer for anything, journaling, talking to people about what you're doing online. It's you know, it's to me I, I don't mind um, using what what I have. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big advocate of utilizing what it is that you have and what it is that you're able to do today to better your situation, and then you're helping others along the way. So it's it's the best oh, of both exactly, worlds. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a big big benefit, and then like you had said, it it helps you to help other people as well. It, yeah. Oh, because you get tired of talking about your own your own stuff sometimes. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. I'm like, I, I know what happened to me. Like, I, I remember that. I know that, that story. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. Right. So, you know, but, but at the same time, also when you are telling your own story for the benefit of other people, um, that, that can be helpful too. Yes. You know, it just, it depends on, Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are so many who can, who can now, I think from people like you and then others within the mental health community that are speaking out about some of these things, whether they have a religion that they follow or not, but it's specifically today I'm talking about those within religious communities that are also dealing with mental illness. The more people like you who are speaking about these things, the more that some churches and religions are taking notice of these things and saying, okay, well, this is a massive sector of our community and we need to help them too. Right. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I tell people. Like, it, whether or not you follow religion or depending on which religion you follow, it, it's all your own journey. Yeah. And, and that's really why I like connecting with people because I have found, I mean, I've learned a lot mm-hmm. and I learn from different people. So I don't have to meet people who are doing exactly what I'm doing. Right. It's, it's just a matter of connecting with people, you know, and learning from whoever that you meet. That's, yeah. I think that's the, the, to me, that's what community is about. You right. have to, to learn from everybody that you interact with. So Absolutely. anyway, so that's, that's what, that's what I've been trying to do these days is what, how can I, how can I help someone else and how can I learn from someone else? Because I think that that's what it is to benefit the people around you. So, 
Anyway, I don't want to just talk over you, but that's... No, that's def- sort of, talk away. That's my, <laughs> 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 so that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing these days, and that's what helps me not dwell on the parts of the, the day that are less than, you know, that, that are not, not, not helpful to me. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at it, though, because when you, when you can share your own story and then focus on you when you need to, but then you're also out there helping other people like you, as well as the general mental health community. Right. And then people yeah. who can relate to you with bipolar or PTSD and all these different things, hearing from yeah. someone helps. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah, absolutely. So can you can you share a bit about some of the religious aspects of how you deal with the day-to-day life? So like your your relatives or family that are religious who may have struggles with you having mental illness, who don't believe in it or agree with it, and then the flip side of that, of course, the positive experiences within religion where oh, you felt yeah. supported. So my family, you know, they're all Christian, but they're not all the same type of Christian. And my sister's actually an atheist. Okay. So um, for them... They actually, actually, my sister, she um, has her degree in clinical psych, funny enough. She just doesn't practice, but she could, um, if she re-upped her license, she could be a therapist. So they actually all, they're okay with what I do. My dad also has his master's. Bottom line, for them, they, and several of them are on medication. Okay. So they do a mixture of faith and medication for mental health. Most people in my family actually do have a diagnosis, so they kind of do a mixture of what I do. Okay. Um, they're all super religious. There are several pastors in my family. People are in the military, so they do also, like, they're chaplains and stuff. So it's kind of, I think I'm probably, I don't want to say I'm the most religious. It's just that Islam is a pretty strict religion. Right. You know what I mean? No, so, I get it. So it's just a matter of I do the most ritualized More. stuff with faith and mental health. Right. But right. but at the same time, my aunt's husband is a pastor and his son is a pastor. So they're just as religious as I am. Right. <laughs> so I, I can't even say that I'm the most religious. I just would think... I would probably be a little more dogmatic with my faith in mental health. Okay. But, we, you know, I think we're all the same. And they, they sure. don't mind me talking about it. They know that I'm a mental health advocate. My aunt, though, she uses her pottery class as a way to enhance her mental health. So she's been in a Very pottery cool. class for about 10 years. So her whole house is lined with, like, she makes, like, bowls and, like, napkin holders. Very and it's cool. really funny because she gave my dad this really fancy bowl. And, like, I mean, she, for Christmas, I went to her house, and she had made, like, gingerbread houses. And I'm like, what on earth is, I mean, yeah, they're wow. really, they're high class. And I said, you should sell them. She said she's not going to. Oh, so okay. she she does more of like a mindfulness thing. Yeah. And so and I really want to get with her because I want her to teach me. Yeah. So that's the only thing. She does more of that kind of stuff. That's um, really cool, though. We, we yeah, utilize yeah. art therapy a lot. Big oh, advocate. really? Oh, yeah. Big advocate of art therapy. We haven't done the pottery in that, but we do a lot of oh. painting and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Right? I can say. Yeah. yeah. So, that, so that's the thing. So she does that, and my sister does, like... Her um, stepson is into BMX racing, cool. so she does like she does more of the. Um, she's an athlete, so I did swimming until college. 
So I was, but I, I stopped. But now she and her fiance, they are still in the athletes. Of, so her fiance was a runner. He's a long distance runner. And my sister was a short, she did like the 200. So they're into the athletics. So I will say like each of us has our own niche. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my dad, my dad does traveling. So his partner is going to Bolivia. So Simon's going to Bolivia for like, I think a month or something. So, and they just got back from Italy. So I'm like, okay, I'm the only one who's doing nothing. <laughs> like, I'm the mental health advocate. Well, I don't call, you know, I'm so called, but I'm yeah. just writing and you guys are doing all this stuff. And then it's like, maybe I should pick up a hobby. <laughs> and so I'm so jealous. I mean, in a good way, but I'm like, wait, I'm doing the, the least. So they, they don't like, it's really kind of cool because as I look around, everyone has their thing that they're doing and yeah. it really works out well. And so the thing is, I do like to do the faith stuff because that's what I'm most attached to. Right. But, you know, they don't mind that I'm doing it. But I think that each of us, we don't insist on each our thing to other family members. And that's right. what I noticed. I think you know, that's, like we, that's we good respect, though. I, I think it's nice because, yeah. like, they don't tell me what they're, like, my aunt doesn't come around saying, like, oh, you should do pottery. Right. And I don't go to them saying, like, oh, you should be Muslim. I mean, I tell them about Islam so right. that they know. But, I mean, we don't we don't force it on each other. That's nice, So. Though. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is nice because the thing is everyone has to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's that's kind of how we do it. Now, my dad and I, we do talk about faith a lot because my dad used to be a monk. And really? So, yeah, he was a Capuchin friar that's in D.C. That's so interesting. Yeah, like right right by Georgetown, actually. So he always tells me about the history of the movie The Exorcist, like always, mm-hmm. because he he actually knows the, the real um, history. And so he's like, oh, you should watch this movie, and you need to know about this with Catholicism, because my dad is a historian. So he tells me all this stuff about Catholicism and, um, cool. in, in, in D.C. So he's actually he, he knows a lot about the history of um, the Catholic Church. So we do talk about... Um, the Bible, and I tell them about the Quran. So we're a little bit more on the faith side, but that's about it. So that that kind of thing helps. And he's the one who takes me to all my appointments, and he takes me to, you know, the therapist and stuff like that. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, that is. That's really nice that you can yeah. you can have those well-rounded and educational conversations with respect, with mutual respect. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're doing it more as a, it's like an educational thing, mm-hmm. and like a, oh, did you know? It's really not it's not a brow beating like oh you it's not a thing right. of like trying to convince somebody right it's just it's just for fun and my mom and i used to do that because her father was a methodist minister oh, so okay. we would yeah so we would like we would sometimes we'd be shouting but it was like a thing of like no this is how it is <laughs> we weren't trying to like like we weren't converting each other oh, we a mother just, daughter yeah. yeah, yeah, we were just telling each other like, no, that's not what that means, and it <laughs> yeah. was really funny because we called them like Bible offs and like, and we were like Bible trying to offs. one up each other. And, I like, like that. Yeah, it was so funny, and I'm like, it mom, that's funny. not what that means, and it was really mm-hmm. funny. And she's like, you're not going to tell me because my dad was the minister, mm-hmm. and so all the time, like we, and that I thought was really fun because. Yeah. It was just, it was more just informational. Yeah. And then and she was like, you're such a know-it-all. That's I know because I, and that, it was just that kind of thing I love to do. Mm-hmm. Because it was just, you know, and she, she always, t- you know, that's why I talk about my mom a lot because she was, a, she was an educator. That's how our family was, but it really, it did help my mental health because yeah. it helped me not focus on like the negative part. Right. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to do something. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, you cannot just sit there and dwell on symptoms all the time. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And that's why sometimes when I'm talking a lot online, what I'm trying to do is not be in here. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to think about, okay, I'm so depressed. Yeah. You know, like, and, yeah. and some of these symptoms, they're really, they're very difficult. In all honesty, they are. So Absolutely. So you have to, like, sometimes I'm just talking, like, okay, just don't think about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I, I I mean, I know, like, yeah, you have to. And, that, and, and really, honestly, my kids, they live with their dad. And so when I was teaching, I was not just here by myself. Right. So if if I'm at home by myself and there's nobody home, I have to talk a lot mm-hmm. because the truth of the matter is, it's just four walls in me. Yeah. So, you know what I mean. So you yeah. have to just you have to talk or watch a movie or do something because yeah. you know the illness otherwise is going to consume you. Right. Yeah. And I think that I think that's a very important piece of it too. I find it so astounding and honestly a little fascinating that there's a high degree of varied religious backgrounds within your family. Because you're talking about how your sister doesn't have any religious affiliation. She's atheist. Your father started as a monk because, oh, my God, that is fascinating (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah. One time someone's like, oh, my God, your family is so interesting. See, Mm -hmm. because, like, so his partner, Simon, is from Bolivia. So he is, uh, like, so that Latino Catholic is different from... Like, my dad is, like, an African-American Catholic. Right. So my mom was Southern Methodist. Then her sister was Baptist. And my mom became Baptist later. Then, okay, so I'm I'm Muslim. My sister's atheist. And my sister's boyfriend, who we both met when we were 12, who now they're with, he's Muslim. And so his mom is Muslim, like, the whole time. So everyone's looking at us like, what is happening with your family? Like, and so I'm like, I know. A little diverse. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's I think that that's so interesting to me because yeah. of the way that you talk about everyone within your family. Because yeah. they're you're taking in my mind how I'm viewing that because as as you know and a lot of our listeners know, I myself am atheist. Right. So you're taking but you're all taking like the best pieces of your religions and going through with that mutual respect. Yes. Because yeah. that's it's- it's about helping it other people. That's and again, from my understanding of Catholicism, Islam as well, yeah. and then there was the other one that you had. Met. Oh, Baptist. As far as the yeah. Baptist, major key principles of those three specific religions, for example, are the helping of others. Well, yeah, and so and then obviously you understand. So and my and my dad is gay. So then to understand right. that, like, and none of us are looking at each other and pointing fingers and, like, we're not going to accept you. And so when I hear negatives of any of the religions or people are saying you don't accept, and then sometimes I'm just sitting here like, that's not actually true. And I'm right. going to be honest, I'm not always as vocal about what I could say because it's hard for me to explain that I'm in a family where I'm like, the, we have all of it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have, <laughs> We have literally all of it. Right. And we, and my family's big. Like my aunt, sure. in, in her own family, her her um, husband has six kids. And all of the kids have kids. Big and family. so it's like, yeah, if that that alone is a big family. But then it's like my now my, my, my own nuclear family, there were just four of us. Mm-hmm. But then Lisa's um, fiancé, my sister, he has five kids. And so I'm like, okay, so when we all get together, this that's like a lot of us. It's big and, and loud. all different. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so we're all looking at each other like, wait, what? None of us even are doing any of the same thing. Right. But we somehow make it work. But you make it and work, we, yeah. Yeah, we do. And we don't even always 
all get together at the same time. But it's like, and even in this house here where I live, my landlady, she's Buddhist. And she was telling me like, okay, I'm Buddhist, you're Muslim, whatever. Just mm-hmm. Let's just get along. And she's okay. She was telling me about meditation the other day. And she said, you need to meditate. Like, you just need to calm down and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't telling me like to be a Buddhist. Her point was like, she said, okay, like you need to just center. Center, focus and, your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I appreciated that because she wasn't telling me to do her thing, but I was so frazzled. Mm-hmm. And so she she knows about mental health. Right. And she said, really, she said, you know, Buddhists, we meditate. And I didn't feel at all oppressed or like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like. Right. She wasn't coming was at just, you to convert you. She was coming uh, with a point of encouragement and helpfulness from her own perspective yeah. that she and wanted to share. And I really appreciated that. And that's the kind of thing you can do. It wasn't even a religious thing. It was right, just a no. matter of like. And, and I could have been atheist, I could have been anything, but it was like, just get it together, you know? What I, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, and, and that's what I really appreciate about when you have a family that everyone's doing something different, you can make it work. Yeah. And I was telling that to my daughters, like, they have three um, step-siblings, well, siblings, you know, mm-hmm. because their dad married someone who had three children. And I said, you guys are making it work. We're all a big family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no longer my husband, but... He's a father of my kids. Their stepmom is great. Like, we're a family. And my whole family is a family. And you can be a multi-faith family. Mm -hmm. Like, you can get it together. Right. And and you can respect each other. Yeah. And it doesn't... And a few people who don't believe in what I believe in, they say, okay, we can come around you because you're not one of those people who's like... They know that I do believe in it, but they don't feel like I'm looking at them like shaking my head and judging right. and do you know what I'm, I do. I'm doing what I do yeah I know but what you're saying they're welcome to do what they're doing and it's not like I'm looking at them like Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> even my sister like she she's doing what she's doing and it works for her yeah and and, yeah. and and that's why she can come around me and she didn't know that in the beginning when I converted but now she's you know she gets it yeah. And so that's why, that's how I use my faith. My faith does bring me through my mental health journey because what I do is the medicine does one thing, mm-hmm. but then the prayer does the rest. And that's so I think you had asked me that initially, how do I use my faith? And that's yeah. what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I do take the medicine, but I do my five daily prayers. So, you know, Islam is like, it has some ritualistic practice, you know, mm-hmm. some um, devotional prayers. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, there's some introspection and things like that there um there's a form of meditation i will say but that's sometimes when i can't do the physical prayers i'm just in in bed kind of focusing Mm -hmm. and that does help i talk to my friends about what i'm going through i've met muslims that have mental health issues or chronic issues and even that spirit of community helps Uh, just talking to other muslims who are going through what i'm going through and saying hey guys i don't have it together today that right there helps right but i don't even really have to talk to muslims i can talk to anybody because the thing is just that spirit of saying to any other human who gets what i'm going through that's enough for me yeah And and, and initially i thought that i had to talk to muslims who got it but i'm going to be honest as long as there's somebody who's sharing my journey and i know that there's someone who is kind and empathetic and who respects what i'm doing it can be anybody mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah i mean it, yes i would i do like to also talk to people who share my face but really seriously i've been an impatient with people mm-hmm. if you could if you go to my, like if you have a mental health issue we're the same right you know what i mean yeah I, I'm, because this stuff that's solidarity it is. Like, yeah, it really does. Yeah, it, 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 because at the end of the day, if 
through, if you know suicide, if you know OCD, if you know depression, we're the same. Like, like, how much closer can you get? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those are, that's, that's some serious stuff. Absolutely, that's, yeah. Like, it's, it's really like, um, that, that brings you closer than anything, really, to me. Because you know, like, when I, the first time I got to inpatient, I saw someone who had attempted, well, I've met many people, but he just touched my soul in the way that he had attempted. And I saw him trying to eat, and he couldn't because of how he had harmed himself. Mm-hmm. And it made me cry, and I'd never forgotten the person. Yeah. And I thought, like, I really don't always have to talk to people who believe the same way I believe. Sometimes it's just a matter of that. Like, you know, you know it just, yeah. if I know that you share my journey... With mental health, I think that we're pretty close. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that because, and and again, I know that you and I have talked quite a bit on Twitter yeah. about religion and different things like that. And for me, yeah. I I'm an atheist, but I know a lot about a lot of different religions. Um, yeah. And yeah. Islam, I I am by no means an expert, but I do know, I know the principles of practice. Okay. Right. I know some some about the rituals. I know some about the Quran, and then some about the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. Enough to where I could have a conversation about it, not to where I could practice if I so chose. But right. one thing that always stuck out about religion in general, regardless of whom your God is, whether you call right. him God, Jesus Christ, yeah. the, the Prophet Muhammad, however, however your religion defines that, one of the commonalities that I have found within every religious book and general belief system is the desire to put others above yourself and help within your community and then outreach to those not within your community. Yeah. So one one passage that sticks out to me, because I, I pulled it up for myself because I couldn't remember exactly how it okay. went. So I'm like, I I know that it's it's speaking about worldly grief. And ah, okay. So okay. what what this one says is that and it's from the Quran in one of the hadiths in particular that underscores this message and the message of the Prophet Muhammad speaking of the revelation received from meditation and the, the self-sacrifice and helping of others is uh-huh. where this passage is talking about. So it's, whosoever removes a worldly grief from a believer, Allah will remove from him one of the griefs of the day of judgment. Yes. And for yes, me, yes, yes. There, there's a lot of similarity within that because that is in the Bible as well. No matter what version you pick up in the Bible, that is also in the Bible. So if you have this commonality within your religion, why can't there be this mutual respect? And beyond that, why don't you see that, for example, you live with bipolar disorder, you have different mental illness. You're still a devout believer. So you are a Muslim woman. Why is that for me, I'm curious as to you're just you're just your opinion. Why do you think that some others just discount that? Like, well, mental illness—that's not you're fine. You know, pray more. And in oh, in I regards to the, in regards to, I'm trying to bridge the gap between in the regards to the judgments of you taking medication and have you experienced the people viewing that as you don't have enough faith? Okay, so what happens is number one. Because I've come up a lot about this lately. Even some people who are doctors in the Muslim community, I really think people have, some of it's arrogance. Some of it is a fear 
Because what I think people are afraid of is if I say mental illness is real, maybe I'm saying my religion isn't what I thought it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, interesting because point. Because if Go I'm on. saying that mental, because I now have put my religion on such a pedestal that I think my religion is superior to everything. Okay. So if uh, so, if I say that mental illness exists, then now there's a deficiency somewhere that I can't accept. Because we we know that cancer is real, we know that diabetes is real, but something about mental illness, people are just not going to let themselves admit that because they don't, they just have this fear of the of quote unquote crazy. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. because there are Muslim doctors, there are Muslim psychiatrists, yeah. But some of you, I'll say them say things like here, I'll hear them say, "I don't need a doctor. I, those doctors can't tell me about my body." Mm. And I'm thinking that's the most ignorant thing ever because if you break your toe, who's going to fix it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you go in hospital, they don't ask you for help. You're asking right. them. Right. I'm serious. And, I'm, and it's just this irrational fear that people have. And some people are like, well, mental illness is real, but maybe it's you're just not trusting in God enough. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm telling you, it's just, it is an irrational fear. It's a fear of letting go. And just take the medicine. I went to the mm-hmm. doctor one time, and she said, Karen, get over. That's my American name. Okay. She said, get over yourself. Take your little Prozac or whatever you need to take mm-hmm. and keep going about your day. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And she, and she just moved on, and she went up to my chart, and she just left it. And the way she just dismissed it, like, not, I don't want to say dismissed, but she, she almost put me at such ease. Yeah. I realized, you know what? Whether it's medicine or meditation or whatever I need to do to get over my illness, mm-hmm. that she was so straightforward. That's good. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just, it I do. Was, it was yeah. just a, a cut and dried thing. And I, I went to my. I have a friend that's a rabbi. He's on Twitter, um, but he said he said there's so many competent and and excellent doctors in the D.C. area. Why are people acting like they don't understand mental illness? Mm. And I thought, aha, you see. Aha, yeah. And, and, and he said, I don't understand what is going on. And I, and I just looked at him and he said, uh, you need to get around people that are not, you know, acting strange with mental illness. Mm-hmm. He said, there are doctors. And, he, and again, he wasn't saying necessarily just doctors, but his point was his point mental was illness good. isn't yeah. scary. You right. know, it shouldn't be scary, whatever, however you're going to tackle it, tackle it and move on. Right, yeah. And, you know, whatever you're going to do, whether it's yoga or, you know, whatever. Walking, whatever helps you, yeah. Whatever helps you. But the point is, he said, you're in D.C. He yeah. said, I know they know about mental illness. Yeah. So they're quite good. So he said, do it and move on. You should heal. And, and he right. said, you're very good and you're very smart. And, and he was really talking to me very straightforward. Mm. <laughs> he said, let's do this. Let's move on. Let's do this, and, my, yeah. and, and I really appreciated that because I was just so turned around at the point that I went to him. And I said, I'm so confused and I feel sick and I I feel like I'm not doing well. And he said, you're doing fine. But get around people who are, don't have such a stigma with mental illness. Yeah. And, he, and he's from a faith background. So that was his thing, too. He said, use your faith, but also don't let stigma, you know, hold you back. Right. And so that, and then I realized, so I, and so I, to, to, as to your question, I do think that it is a fear and it is a stigma and, and maybe some, again, and I do think some of it's also arrogance, but yeah. that is not just for the Muslims. I see it in no. other places because, because yeah. I've had people from different faith backgrounds tell me the same thing happens, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't want to villainize just my religion. And then there are some who, people who are very good, you know, of so course. I, you know, just, yeah. I, 
I just think that there are some people who just can't let it go. I think and, um, absolutely, yeah. And I think that that, and again, yeah, I I agree with that. It's true against, uh, like a, not against, but across all all religious beliefs. Yeah. For me, one of the things was I I grew up in a Christian household, a highly conservative oh, okay. Christian household, and for for me, growing up when I was younger, I and again people who are listening and you as well, Sakina, I don't mean this rudely, but for me, the belief in God was the bridge in my mind between religion was that is a belief system that can benefit, give hope, give clarity and, and care and purpose for some people in their lives. But in my mind, it was similar to a belief in like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And again, I don't mean that rudely. Let me explain. No, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, um, I get it. I know. I mean, yeah, I'm not... A, I hear you. Yeah. Is because in, in childhood, I think a child believing in something that has whimsy, like an Easter Bunny, believing okay. in something that can bring about hope, faith, and love is a positive thing. It brings fun to holidays. It brings okay. it brings joy. It's a fun story, and all of these different things to believe in. And uh-huh. I think I think that that's just the the correlation that for me in my brain is what I it's what I correlate religion to. And again, okay. I think it's great that you have within religious communities, not just Islam, not just Christianity, not Catholicism, religion across the board. You have these stories that you can then put into practice for your life and the, for the benefit of yourself and your community, the people around you, and the general population of the world. I think right. I think that's a good thing. I think when it goes into utilizing it against people to control them or harm them, that's where the issue yeah. comes in for me. And I think yeah. that I think that people who actually believe in their religion, you, for example, you don't use your faith to harm people. Right. Uh, we know. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, but Steve Austin on Steve uh-huh. on Twitter, he's an author and he was a uh, pastor previously. He wrote the book. Um, I can't think of what it's called. It, I'll have to look it up and I'll put it in the description box below for everybody listening. But okay. he's, he spent time in a psychiatric unit and he, he wrote about it and his experiences with that. And I think that's such an important book to have because you're talking about a pastor was afraid to reach out for help because of stigma. That's a problem. Yes. Well, see, and the thing, and I did something with um, NAMI with their faith um, community in Baltimore. Yeah, they have yeah, a really good they, program. They do, and and it was about a hundred people, and they said that the pastors in that area, many of them are afraid to admit mm. that they they actually ask they have to take. I think they were either doing a a survey or something, and some of them are afraid to admit they have a problem because they can't get ordained. Really? Which means that they, so yeah, either they're afraid to admit it or they're afraid to, something they were saying that the pastors couldn't get help because, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but several of them were saying they couldn't, like how vocal I am, some of them were saying they couldn't do that because then they couldn't minister to their communities, which meant that there were pastors in trouble. Yeah. And they could not vocalize it. So that meant they couldn't get help. You know what I mean? And yeah. they were ministering to their, to other people, but they could not get help, and it was a problem. Absolutely, So they, they wanted to know how to address it, because 
it wasn't fair. Like, they couldn't just be all like, okay, I have an alcohol problem. Right. Or, you know, a drug problem. Or they couldn't take medication. It was something strange. Yeah. And they, they're saying they needed to be able to have programs for, for pastors and ministers to get help and still be able to help their communities. Absolutely, there's yeah. There's a stigma against clergy who have mental illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're working on getting, yeah, we're working on getting actually a, another guest on this person is a priest and Ah. within the Catholic church, but this person has DID and and it was diagnosed before this person had gone to ministry school and that sort of thing. And they had just found faith, religion. They had found, because within the Catholic church, it would be, they found Christ so they uh, okay. they want to try and figure out how to talk about this now because they're just much older. It's not that they want to leave their faith, yeah. but they're much older now, and they want to try and figure out a way to talk about it. So we're working on how to get them on the podcast because they want to do it, but they don't want to be able to be identified. So we're working on figuring yeah. that out. I would love for him to talk to you about his time in the monastery. Oh, yes, please. Okay, I'm going to talk to him. I would love for him to talk to you about a couple of things. Absolutely. In the Catholic Church. I'm going to talk to him. Please do that, yes, because I would absolutely love (laughs) to hear his perspective. He's right in the center of a lot of stuff. Sure. And um, now his, his, particularly his monastery. His monastery is the one that's been in the news, so I'm just going to say that. And then um, I'm going to ask him if he'll talk to you. So of a few things, I would um, just even his time in the monastery. Yeah, I, that that would be nice because I would love and that. mental. And if he talked to you about mental health and how they handled it, yeah, that alone would be extremely interesting because I know nothing about it. I right. don't know how they handled it at all, and right. it is very important because um, there are a lot of people in the in the Catholic community. I want to know for sure. I would like to know how anybody, and men with mental health, yes. Problems. That was what I thought and, about and because too. Because he's older, I need, I do need to know that. And if mm-hmm. he doesn't want to talk to, you, maybe he, he can, maybe I can ask him questions, and I can come on and explain to you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because he, he does, he does deal with depression. So okay. That's why I want to know. So, and if he just doesn't want to talk about it at all, then I, then I'll let you know. On, I'll, I'll just email. I mean, DM you and say, okay, he would prefer not to even say it. That's fine. And please, please yeah. let him know that I will do anything to make him more comfortable with that. We don't even have yeah, to do yeah, that, video yeah, chat. Yeah, exactly. We can just so do I'm a call. I'm definitely gonna check with him. And yeah. I'll let you know. So Absolutely. just, I'll, you know, just, and if I forget, if you can remember to remind me. I will. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that would be wonderful. So anyway. Yeah, I'll write yeah. that down. Oh, that's one of the things I forgot to mention was my diagnoses. That I, I think I forgot. So if, if I can share those. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Go ahead and share so, your diagnosis. Yeah. So the first, first I'll talk, my, my diagnoses are bipolar one, ADHD, OCD, social anxiety, and then the chronic illnesses that I have are migraines and narcolepsy. Um, the, so the first thing that I was diagnosed with in college was depression, because that's what they saw first. But I didn't realize that I was seeing the symptoms of mania at that time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, so when I went to, back to the psychiatrist in 2006, he said, okay, what I see is ADHD, because that's, you know, the hyperactivity is what usually people see. And then he also, the first doctor put me on Prozac. Of course, that was a disaster. And I think the first psychiatrist, the second time, put me on Prozac. And then 
I had a manic episode. So then they gave me mood stabilizers and everything. So every doctor, as soon as they see me, they're like, okay, you're so hyperactive. We have to put you on medication. But the problem is I have migraines severely and I also have the narcolepsy that they have to medicate or I always fall asleep in public. So they have to give me something for that, which is problematic because of the hyperactivity with ADHD and because of mania. But if they don't give me stimulants, I always fall asleep in public and it's super dangerous. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anyway, so they've gotten that regulated. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's important to talk about this type of stuff. I think it's important to have these real, actual conversations. So, again, I would love to talk to your dad, too, if he'd come on. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. But the thing is, I mean, men with mental health, not only is it important, but I think through the whole thing, because a lot of times people are saying, like, it's important to talk to youth. But the thing is, I mean, older men, too, what do you do? Like, you can't just throw them away. Right. Seniors have mental health issues. I mean, and sometimes older men, that's why men drink, because they don't have any other outlets. That's why men are lonely. Yep. Like, you can't, you cannot just signal, like, you can't just pick one population and decide they're more important than the other. Right. There, there are women who are divorced. There are women who've been single moms, teenagers. You know what I mean? To people experiencing change of life, you can't just pick part of the population and decide Okay, well, we're just going to talk to middle-aged black women. I mean, right. I, you know, I'm just taking any. Everybody's important. No, every and I. Sec- yeah, like, absolutely. Literally every second. I understand there are marginalized people. I understand there are. I don't know. I'm just. Everybody is important. Mm-hmm. And so. And, and for different reasons. Yeah. And the, though I will say there are certain parts of the population that need more care, yes. But I don't agree with deciding that, like, one part, you have to only talk about them. Right. Because that's, then then what right. ends up happening is they get all the attention, and then the other ones are just left alone. Yeah. No, I agree and with that. That's why we try and bring as many different types of guests on, because I think it's important to talk about these things. It was one reason why I was very excited that you agreed to come on, because I want to... We, we've spoken with different religious people. We've done different that type yeah. of things, and that I genuinely find religion fascinating. And then coupled yeah. with mental illness and struggle like that, and then with... I would talk. To, I would sit here and talk to you all day. I know we're coming to the end of the episode, guys, but yeah. seriously, like I would sit here and talk to you all day, because your family lineage, like that is fascinating to me. Yeah. All the, the different religions... I was talking to the kids. I was like, "Wait a minute, this is so funny." But because my my family, my own, the family itself is is interesting. Yeah. But then I happen to marry someone from West Africa, and then I'm realizing my mom's roots can be traced all the way to West Africa. So I was like, "Wait a minute, uh-huh. what is this?" Yeah, I'm realizing, because wow. when I was growing up, she's telling me, like, oh, my mom's family is like this. And then she used to tell me when I was little that her family lineage, you know, had roots to West Africa. Right. But I didn't really listen. And then I happened to marry someone from Senegal. So my mom, the language that is spoken in, like, South Carolina and Georgia, coastal language, yeah, it can be traced to, like, parts of West Africa. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, wait a minute. So the kids are just looking at me. They're like, you're not West African mom. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> and then, so it's really interesting because though we're all diverse, like, you know, we're kind of all interconnected. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like annoying the kids and they're just looking at me like, would you get away? <laughs> just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, just stop. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm like, yeah, religiously, I'm like, and they're like, you're just annoying. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you're just annoying. <laughs> You know, but seriously, so like, you know, I do like talking about mental health, but I yeah. also like talking about family and, you know, different things. Yeah. So these are all the kinds of things that I, you know, when I'm 
not online. You know, I'm looking up different things. Because mm-hmm. to me, religion is fascinating. Even if I'm not, without me practicing religion, I like talking about it. Just yeah. from the historical perspective. No, me too. I but, agree. Yeah. It's just something like, because when I was in college, or in high school, actually, I took a few comparative religion classes. Um, Interesting. And it, yeah. So I was actually, I grew up... My mom, um, she had us in church a lot, but then I took comparative religions because I liked learning about it just for fun. Mm -hmm. So I think that religion, that's also why I use it to help me with my mental health, just because it's kind of what I've always done. So even it's not like a, it's not so much of a prayer thing. It's more of a comfort thing. Yes, I'm right there with you on that. Whatever religion that suits your recovery, your, your life. Whatever you yeah. can get the hope and the faith and then the drive and the the comfort yeah. and the love and that, that find them find that community and grab them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because really, actually, like I started watching these movies. Like I, my dad, he he told, and he did it with me because my sister, like I said, she's an atheist and so she doesn't talk to my dad about this stuff. So mm. he always grabs me and he's like, okay, let me tell you about Georgetown. Let me take you to the steps where the exorcist was filmed. Yeah. So that's why I say it's not really a religious practice as far as faith. It's more a connection like with my dad and he yeah. tells me all about like the exorcist movie. So then I call my friend Mark or I email him and I'm like, oh my god, I know about possession. And so he's like, oh, you're so psychotic. <laughs> Obsessively start doing it. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. And OCD yeah. is really funny. Like, you can just go down the rabbit hole and you'll never stop looking. For and real. so then, funny enough, so then I'll just keep looking. And, but it's almost comforting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it, it's, it is something that I do just, it just passes the time. Yeah, so. I get that. We're coming to the end here. And I wanted to ask, first of all, I wanted you to go ahead and share with our listeners where they can find you online. And oh, then I uh, wanted to know... What piece of Islam do you go back to all the time that you find most comforting? Okay, well, first, as I chew my M&M's, <laughs> I, have <to> my, <laughs> I have to keep my blood sugar. Um, the main place you can find me is on Twitter. My handle is at the Muslim Hippie. And on my little handle, you can see the link to my book. I'm working on my second book, which is a book on substance use disorder Very and fun. addictions. Look forward to that. Yep. Going on a, on a writing retreat so that I can work on the book. That's great. And it should be out in March or April. We'll see. Very exciting. But yeah, so Twitter is my main place. It has my blog. I have not updated it in a while because I'm still working on a few pieces. But anyway, so that's, you know, the main place is Twitter. So the main thing that I go back to with Islam, usually it's just the prayer. The five daily prayers are like what connects us spiritually yeah. or just my uh, meditation practices. 
Very great. Um, and Very right great. now, I'm actually get, going to start. I'm getting into a class for reading the Quran. Um, my kids and I are all working on uh, memorizing the, the Quran together. Very cool. That's nice that you can do yeah. it together as a family. Yeah. So yeah. the four of us. We're, yeah, and we're doing it all on our own time. We said we're not going to like have a set date, but yeah, the four of us are going to. We have a goal that we're all going to memorize the Quran together. Yeah. Thank you again for being on, and then for all of our thank listeners out there. Thank you so much for there. having me. Yeah, absolutely. This was a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much. I'll see you on Twitter then. I will see you on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to us here on this episode of the We and Me podcast. That was Sakina. And again, you can find her at The Muslim Hippie on Twitter. You can also find information about her first book. And then as she had told you just a moment ago, you can find out more information on her second book if you follow her at The Muslim Hippie, which is scheduled for release this spring. Thanks again to Sakina for coming on the podcast with us and chatting about religion, faith, what it's like living with mental illness, and then sharing some more about her own personal journey and family. All right, everyone, we hope you have a great week and kick Monday's ass. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da